0: Hello, and a very warm welcome to The Gold Podcast. I'm Helena Beard, the editor of Gold, and it is great to be with you for what is our final podcast of season three, and indeed of 2022. Here alongside me, as always, is my co-host and the magazine's assistant editor, Isabel O'Brien. Isabel, how are you doing? Hello, yes, very
1: pleased to be here for what is our final episode of the season and the year. It has been a very exciting year on the podcast. Lots of change, lots of fantastic guests. So it's exciting to be rounding it off like we are today.
0: Uh, Yes, rounding up the podcast and rounding up the year as well. Just one more working week to go before Christmas. Although I know you've got a bit of annual leave next week. So looking forward to that. Yes, I'm skipping off a little bit
1: early. (laughs) I am very much looking forward to that. It's been an exciting couple of weeks with gold being released, but also a busy couple of weeks. So I'm really looking forward to getting home and relaxing with the family.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And me, likewise. Um, So shall we crack on with the episode? I think we should. So coming up today, if you are a long
1: time friend of the podcast, you will remember that we actually did this last year. But today we have invited back some of our former guests to reflect on the year that has just gone by and give us their take on the key challenges, changes, and highlights that have been witnessed across the industry in the last 12 months.
0: Indeed. So we'll hear from Alia Omer, Claire Gillis, Robert Grimm, Michele Manto, Paul Sims and Wendy White, most of whom we have interviewed on the show this year already. Um, And they will unravel the past year in pharma, looking at everything from access challenges to organisational change to huge wins for marketing approaches. Um, Many of these guests you'll already know, as I mentioned, but we'll introduce them all properly as we go. And without further ado, let's begin. So to kick things off, we thought we'd start with the challenges so we can end on a positive note. Um, And while there have been a number of industry successes this year, there were and still are in some cases some significant mountains to be climbed, according to our former guests. Indeed. So to kick things off, I say we start with Alia Omer, who
1: is the Vice President and Head of Global Portfolio and Programme Strategy at Kite Pharma. Now, I had the pleasure of interviewing Alia early this year, And today, she identifies health inequities
2: and access issues as her key challenge of 2022. While there are many challenges in the field, disparities in access and the significant pressures that the healthcare systems around the world face are critical ones. And addressing these require collaborative efforts across multiple stakeholders, including governments, industry, payers, providers and advocacy groups, just to mention a few. In fact, on the access front, to draw from an example within cell therapy, only 2 out of 10 eligible patients receive it, leaving ample opportunity for improvement. And we know that inequities in healthcare are often linked to deeper structural ones within society, and that they also lead to disparities in outcomes. So in my mind, this area remains a key challenge, and with continued focus, I'm optimistic that we will evolve approaches to ensuring that more patients can benefit from the tremendous advances in the field.
0: Great to hear Alia's thoughts there and a particularly important point on access to cell and gene therapies, which is a challenge that our next guest also picked out.
1: Yes, so up next we have Claire Gillis, who is CEO of VMLY and R Health. And she, as you note, also raises access and inequities as her key challenge, digging into one therapy in particular. Let's have a listen.
3: Health equity continues to be the biggest challenge facing global health systems, industry and society at large, whether you're a patient or not. It's driven by affordability. And even though drug prices don't represent the lion's share of the health budget, they are in the spotlight as we have innovations transforming the possibilities for disease. You'll have seen the FDA recently approved the world's first gene therapy for haemophilia B. With a list price of $3.5 million, it would make it the most expensive single-use gene therapy in U.S. history. But if you consider that the current lifetime cost of treating people with moderate to severe haemophilia B can exceed $20 million per person, you can see it's just about your perspective. Which time horizon for how much money and what is the gain? Even when patients do get access to medicines, data from PwC showed that more than a million patients in the UK are missing out on life-changing treatments, and that was only 13 medicines in four disease areas. It's clear that right across the board, patients are being shortchanged by the availability and access to treatments.
0: Thanks to Claire for that. And it is important to remember that access to medicine is a worldwide issue, even in the most developed countries like the UK, as she noted there. Very true. Our
1: next note is from Michele Manto, who is the Chief Commercial Officer at Galapagos. And he reflects on the hurdles the industry has faced as it has recovered and adapted in the wake of COVID-19. Well, uh, 2020,
4: 2021, Definitely marked by by COVID in our in our societies in our personal and professional uh, life, and and 2022 uh, was luckily uh, in in the opposite direction. Uh, things started getting better with vaccines, with the uh, better understanding of the of the virus, uh, and uh, still not having solved it, but still things went better. So we could get out of lockdowns. So we could. Go back to work, but the question was, what is this new normal, right? How how can we define it and what does it mean? And so internally, of course, we 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 went out of uh, of the cocoons of the of the safety of uh, of the homes where we learned uh, how to work on Zoom or digital interact that way. Finding uh, a challenge was to find new agreements on, uh, you know, how often do we want to come to the office, and, and how do we signal uh, to each other that uh, uh, that we do that, uh, uh, you know, in coordination. Um, uh, how frequent uh, working from home is 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 good, and how how much is too much. So all these things, and one one thing that was clear that is that there was no single answer. Uh, the other direction, of course, was to look outside. So with the uh, with the teams uh, in in field um, and that actually was a was a, an interesting part because of course also hospitals had been closed, and what we uh, also realized was really which relationships were valuable, which activities were valuable, and which uh, for which then uh, also physicians and customers were making space in their agendas when uh, coming back to visit, uh, uh, to visit or to interact with us. So it uh, was, uh, for the challenge again, an opportunity to listen, to understand, to learn, uh, to be selective on what we do and to be more focused uh, in, in the purpose, purpose we have, which is to bring more innovation to, to patients and you know, to, give, to help them have a longer life and, have, and a better life.
0: For our fourth challenge, Robert Grimm, Digital Marketing and Transformation Manager at Novo Nordisk, neatly follows on from Michele's point there. Robert emphasizes the impact of COVID-19 on the industry and the importance of digital transformation in aiding its recovery.
2: I would say how quickly companies were forced to adapt due to the very unfortunate situation of COVID where things didn't go so smoothly. Many faced a challenging situation and struggled to successfully get out of it but there are also great lessons to be learned from. And looking in the rearview mirror, it's clear that companies began investing in resources and technology, and digital transformation became very quickly a part of the new business model.
1: And finally, we have some thoughts from Paul Sims, CEO of Impatient Health, who offers another perspective on how the industry has responded to the challenge of COVID-19 as his challenge of the year.
0: Indeed, Paul was unable to send us a voice note this time, but in an email to the show, he said, and I quote, I would say that we are facing a human challenge because the truth is that 99% of our industry, i.e. everyone except those on the COVID frontline, didn't change very much during the pandemic, apart from in a fairly reactive and knee-jerk fashion to continue business as usual. But now suddenly we are proactively redesigning for a very different future. He continues to say, we are transitioning from an old model based
1: on face-to-face commercial-led transactional customer relationships into a new one led by digital-first interactions in a world where uncertainty is the only constant.
0: Looking at the challenge of this head-on, Paul says companies must try to remain positive as we attempt to push our workforce towards a different, more digital model.
1: And next up, we asked our guests about the
0: various changes they had witnessed in the industry over the past year. As has been noted in some of the challenges that we've just shared, 2022 was a time of upheaval for many companies, so let's hear about what significant shifts were observed as a result.
1: First up, Alia is back to discuss how global economic downturn and US legislative changes have affected the industry in 2022.
2: When we talk about the biggest change, I think you have to start with and acknowledge the global macroeconomic context as a key driver of change and one which many predict will likely have impact into next year as well. From a global perspective, this has placed even greater downward pressures on healthcare systems with rising inflation and it's also affected capital markets um, in that it's affected investments in the biopharma ecosystem, you know, whether that be deal flow, or investments in biotech, which ultimately does impact innovation. From a U.S. specific lens, the field is orienting themselves to the Inflation Reduction Act that broadly speaking, you know, includes inflation penalties related to rebates that are linked to Medicare Parts B and D. Uh, Part D redesign and even a process that the government can implement related to select drugs that have the highest total Medicare spending um, in the future. So while it's still early, I think this is an area of change that the field will be closely monitoring and seeking to understand the full impact of as we go forward.
0: Some wise words from earlier there. And if you're interested, we recently published an infographic on the effects of economic downturn on the industry, as well as a roundtable discussion on the Inflation Reduction Act. We'll leave both in the show notes for you. Indeed. But now back to the guests. For our next clip, I'm pleased to introduce
1: Wendy White, who is interim CEO at the Healthcare Business Women's Association, a longtime partner of GOLD, who shares her perspective on what she believes has changed
5: most this year through the important lens of the female workforce. From our perspective, I would say that across the industry, we're seeing women leaving their jobs. COVID was brutal, and women in particular really bore the brunt of taking on more and more jobs, both at the office and at home. According to McKinsey's Women in the Workplace report for 2022, they called it we're in the midst of a great breakup where women leaders are demanding more from work and are more likely to switch jobs or leave the workplace to get their needs met. And the fact is women were already significantly underrepresented in leadership. mostly due to the fact they can't even uh, get their first job and then that sets them back for their whole career. And now companies are struggling to hold on to the relatively few women leaders that they have. So that is really the biggest change um, that we've seen this year across the industry.
0: Very interesting insights from Wendy. And I'll definitely be checking out that McKinsey report that she mentioned. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it really is vital that companies prioritise
1: retaining their female leaders, I think, in 2023, as this is a very concerning trend that can't be allowed to continue.
0: Next up, Michele returns to discuss the key change he wants to highlight for this year. And it's all about how COVID-19 has impacted public attitudes to science and how the pharma industry has responded to this shift.
4: Uh, Now, this this year, uh, more than ever, Everybody was talking about uh, science, about virus, about uh, DNA, mRNA, uh, and and that brought a, some some interesting changes. The, those those topics became became argument at the dinner table, family encounters, bars, and uh, uh, and debates on social media, and and I think that that brought a different perspective for the industry also on on how to how to speak how to communicate outside of the usual audiences right the conferences or the investors and how to uh, speak with the with the public how to simplify complex topics without oversimplifying without making them so simple that they can be uh, debunked or cannot hold to reality and i think that's that's a change that probably will stay uh, I mean, the, the visibility of the industry, uh, the fact that now there are more people interested in it. And that can be a good thing because that could attract uh, new talents to uh, to, to work in, in healthcare. We know that besides COVID, there are so many other difficult diseases that uh, need attention and need uh, focus and solutions.
0: Great thoughts from Michele there. Mm, absolutely.
1: Next, Claire brings us another change, and this is one for the marketers. Speaking as the CEO of an agency that works very closely with pharma companies on a variety of campaigns, Claire has seen a huge surge in creativity this year. Let's hear what she had to say.
3: Arguably, the biggest change I've seen in the industry in the past 12 months is in its approach to creativity. Right across the industry, and certainly among many of the clients we work with, brand teams are shifting the balance of creativity and ceding control to the ultimate end users, the patients. And marketers who have for years focused on shaping messages, then testing them with target audiences are actually flipping the script partnering with patients up front and early and allowing them to lead the narrative and draft the storyboard. There's been much more talk in recent years about co-creation and often that claim has been more rhetoric than reality and that seems to be changing. That approach is beginning to bear fruit. This new approach, which has coincided with society's growing engagement in health and patient partnerships, has taken health creative to new levels and catapulted it onto a world stage as we saw in Cannes. In the past, health has been unfairly dismissed as a creative backwater, heavy on regulation, light on imagination, and this year, everything's changed. Health advertising is now part of the mainstream, and our work is winning prizes all over the world. Better still, health, once considered a no-go zone for consumer creatives, is earning amorous glances from those outside. We've transitioned from creative also-rans to being a magnet for creativity. Everyone, it seems, fancies working in health, and why not?
0: As Claire says, there has been a distinct change in farmers' approach to campaigns, but the full rewards of that change could be yet to come. Roll on 2023, I say. Mm, It will certainly be interesting to
1: see. Mm. Last up we'd like to share another of Paul's insights. He believes that investment and belief in medical affairs rose to new levels over the last 12 months.
0: Indeed and this is right up our street on gold. So to the question what was the biggest change you witnessed this year he said probably the rise of medical affairs and how it seems that universally medical teams are receiving a lot more investment than commercial.
1: Mm. He continued by saying almost every company I talk to plans to have medical take on a more active and leading role in HCP engagement, and so they should, he adds. And as the authentic voice, both internally and externally, I think medical leaders are poised to have a much more impactful role, he also continues But summing up with a point for us all to remember that he believes they are still suffering, this is medical affairs, from a confidence and identity
0: crisis. And he believes this really needs to change. Yeah the punctuation that he included in his email on that point uh, really demonstrated his passion for that that final uh, point of things needing to change and hopefully this change will be seen in 2023 and beyond and if you're interested in learning more about how medical teams are evolving check out our latest cover feature for gold it's called revealing the true value of medical affairs it'll be linked in the show notes below and I have to say it is one of my favorites of the year so it's well worth checking out.
1: And finally, with challenge and change, there must also come success.
0: And that is how we would like to conclude the episode today. Yes, indeed. We always like to end on a high note, as I mentioned earlier, and today is no different, especially as there have been so many fantastic successes in pharma over the past year. There are so many, we couldn't list them all. Um, But to kick off this segment, let's hear from Robert, followed by Alia and Wendy, as they share their own standout successes from the past year in pharma. So as Helena said, first up, we have Robert,
1: who shares his pride in how digital marketing practices have advanced in the last year.
2: We had a fantastic year in transforming the way we work with Omnichannel and how we best approach our audiences based on insights and learnings, which gave us the advantage of tailoring marketing campaigns
0: tailoring approaches really is the future I do think that Robert's right there and next up Alia discusses how she was excited by the rapid pace of scientific innovation
2: there have been many highlights in 2022 I think one of the biggest highlights in the field continues to be the rapid pace of scientific innovation I think we witnessed the fortitude and resilience of the field during the pandemic and now with the immunization of more than 5 billion people globally, the question is, where else can mRNA therapeutics be applied successfully? And while mRNA is one exciting area where scientists are trying to extrapolate new findings and learnings from the scientific underpinnings of the COVID vaccines to other therapeutic areas, there are other novel modalities that are increasingly attracting investment and quite frankly, commanding greater proportions of pipelines, whether that be within industry, or academic research institutions or even within the biotech world. Um, Those include cell and gene therapies by specifics along with mRNA therapeutics. One area that excited me and I think has been a highlight of the field is the emerging data related to in vivo gene editing in rare diseases to move the field beyond ex vivo techniques. This could represent a step change not only in patient delivery dynamics, but also potentially in outcomes across a breadth of therapeutic areas. I think this is an area that we'll certainly uh, keep a pulse on uh, in 2023 and the coming years.
1: The potential of mRNA really is palpable at this moment in time. Mm. And finally, Wendy details some more positive news for the pharma female workforce, a great note to end on for sure.
5: And what was the biggest highlight in our field? Well, I would say that the global pandemic and the ubiquitous and critical attention on issues of equity during the last few years have resulted in a consequential shift in how industries innovate, organizations operate, and leaders lead. And that's one of the silver linings that has emerged as we've struggled over the last couple of years, that there's a greater understanding that the future is best served by a new kind of leader, leaders who invest in their people, who empower change, prioritize flexibility, and enable greater diversity, equity, and inclusion. Those are the people who understand the importance of both soft and hard skills. Those are the companies that are going to succeed in the future. We have more challenges ahead, but we're making progress.
1: And that is it for today's episode. A huge thank you to Alia Omer, Claire Gillis, Robert Grimm, Michaela Manto, Paul Sims and Wendy White for taking the time to look back at 2022 with us. An insightful selection of challenges, changes and highlights as I'm sure you'll agree.
0: Absolutely. And that also concludes Gold's season three. We will be back with a whole host of fantastic interviews in February next year when the Gold podcast returns with season four. But we didn't want to leave you for the long month of January without checking in and offering you some farmer insights. So do look out for our Gold Nuggets. This mini series returns with more of our favourite moments from our last season's interviews and we'll be kicking off on the 3rd of January with snippets from Dr Juby Jacob-Nara's fantastic episode. I really enjoyed that one so it'll be an excellent listen. And with that, all we have left to say is goodbye and have a very restful holiday season. Absolutely and a very happy new year. We'll see you in 2023. Bye for now.